today is John Bickle. Many don't realize John had a very important role in 1990 in getting Patsy Mink elected and returned to Congress for her second national act. John Bickle has been a high school teacher for 33 years at both public and private schools in Hawaii. He taught at Campbell, Roosevelt, and is now at Iolani. John Bickle has the honor of being named History Educator of the Year. How did you first hear about Patsy Mink? Well, I, I heard about Patsy Mink probably when I was a college student um, and someone who was paying attention to progressive politics. Uh, and I didn't think much about her until I went to grad school at UC Berkeley. And then I did a major paper on Patsy Mink. And my major paper focused on the fact that the traditionalist political science books said that the greater amount of defense spending in your district, the more likely you were to vote for the Pentagon agenda. Well, the second largest number per capita of defense spending in the United States district in, in the early 70s was Patsy Mink's second congressional district. Yet she voted repeatedly against the, the agenda of the, of the Pentagon and, of course, opposed very vociferously the Vietnam War. So that's why I really became interested in Patsy Mink. I then, uh, after I left grad school at UC Berkeley, went to work for a law firm in San Francisco and met a woman who was Patsy Mink's administrative assistant. And she said, give me your resume, I'll get you a job in Hawaii. And that's how I got a job with Tom Okamura in 1986 session. While I was at the 86 session, I um, was doing some research and volunteered on Patsy's campaign to do some writing. So I did some writing and did, did some issue writing and then wrote up, wrote up some position papers. She liked my writing, so she hired me to be what was called at the time the press secretary of the campaign. Um, although I didn't write up a lot of press releases, I did a, a one or two. I did a lot of research, did a little bit of everything on, on the campaign. Uh, keep in mind, this is 1986, and she was running against C. Seftel and John Wahey for governor. And it was a losing campaign. She came in third, and, and she was third in, in the polls for most of the race. So it was not a, a very happy campaign, because we, we knew we were in tough shape. So Patsy's a tough person to work for. Um, She's um, very direct, of course, and she's very direct with many, many people, and she, um, she expects a lot of, uh, of, of our workers as well as herself. So that's um, kind of how I got to know Patsy Mink. And you continue to support her in other future campaigns? Yeah, so of course we, we lost that, that campaign in, in 1986. In uh, 1988, she ran for mayor, and it was a, another losing campaign. By that time, I was a teacher at Campbell High School and did what I could to kind of help her, her mayoral campaign from, from Eva Beach, because uh, I lived in Eva Beach as well as taught in Eva Beach. Uh, but that campaign didn't succeed. More importantly was the 1990 campaign. And by that time, I was very active in the Hawaii State Teachers Association. And I was the, on, on the um, political action committee of, of the Teachers Association. The president at the time was Earl Arruda. Uh, and Odetta Fujimori was the chair of the political action committee. Odetta had been the first president of, of HSTA, and th therefore was very respected. But at that point, she was running against Mufi for the primary. Odetta, frankly, liked Mufi. I liked Patsy. And we had a very tough fight on the political action committee as to who to endorse. And the endorsement, actually, which came from the committee to the full HSTA board, was to endorse Mufi. But I wrote a letter to all the board members saying I, I dissented from, the, from the, their recommendation and suggested they really reconsider Patsy Mink. And of course, with some help from Earl Arruda, Patsy got the endorsement of HSTA. 
when she got the endorsement of HSTA, HSTA was then looking for somebody to head up the HSTA campaign for Patsy Mink. And of course, the person who had written the, the argument in favor of her was me, so I, I was naturally chosen to be the person to head up the HSDA campaign. And we got out the vote um, for in the 2nd Congressional District for Patsy for Congress in 1990, and of course she won. That's what got her back into Congress. Oh my gosh, right. And the HSTA, the Teachers Union. Oh, amazing. Endorsement. As a matter of fact, it was interesting when I called Patsy to say that, that we, we'd endorsed her. Um, she had was not certain whether she'd applied for one congressional district or another, and, and she had applied for it, in fact, the second. And she, at that point, told me, well, I guess I have to run for the second congressional district. I was thinking about running for the first. And of course, Neil Abercrombie ends up running for the first, and Neil ends up winning that race as well. That's how Neil gets into Congress. So Neil and Patsy both won their races in 1990. So it was a big sweep for progressives. Well, now going back to um, when she was first in Congress, Congresswoman Patsy Mink worked with uh, President Johnson in the 1960s, and together they passed laws to change education in America. And um, do you think President Johnson's early career, I'm sure you agree with, as a teacher in Texas, was his guiding light and changing. And so he and Patsy were like a team in reforming education, right, in the 1960s? What do you right, definitely. I, and and I, I've been to the, the Johnson home in, in Texas, and I've been to the Johnson Museum at the University of Texas, and, uh, and done a lot of research Linda Johnson. And I think you're absolutely right. His, is starting starting out in his career as a as, as teacher, not just a teacher in any district, but in a, in a poor district that had a lot of non-English speakers. As somebody who grew up in the Great Depression and saw the value of rural electrification, uh, Lyndon Johnson saw the value that government could do for, for a community. But you're right, he had a very strong passion for education and thought that was the best way up. Patsy did as well. Patsy's source for her support for education, to me, is not as is, is clearly evident as Lyndon's, because Lyndon, as, a, as you pointed out, started out as a teacher. Patsy did not. Pat, Patsy, of course, wanted to be a doctor, didn't succeed in that, and then ended up going to law school. But you should know that Patsy was the valedictorian of Maui High School. And Patsy's father was a civil engineer and one of the first gra Japanese-American graduates of the University of Hawaii. And I think those two things Im impressed upon Patsy the value of education, because the answer to a lot of her questions was, let's improve education. Um, if, if you're talking about you know, crime, unemployment, Patsy would always say it, it always goes back to education. Because if we educate our students well, they'll be good citizens. If they're good citizens, they won't, they won't engage in crime. If we educate our citizens well, they'll be able to get jobs. If they get good jobs, they won't have to, have to go on unemployment or welfare. So Patsy certainly had a, a strong uh, support for education. And you're right, she had a strong partnership in President Lyndon Johnson in, in that effort. Now, I know with, with Johnson, she helped craft on the, on, in Congress the Head Start program, right. um, special education, where there yep. was funding for public schools to offer special education, and also bilingual education, which is now called English as a Second Language, right? Yes. As a teacher, what do you think of these programs that Patsy introduced to America? <laughs> I spent 21 years, over 21 years in the private system, and I spent 12 years in the public system at, at Campbell High School and Roosevelt High School, and, and, and I think they're incredibly important, particularly for public schools. Um, Patsy, coming from Hawaii, under, Hawaii understood the, the fact that, that a lot of schools are going to be multiracial and multicultural, and how do you be able to teach in this particular kind of circumstance? Uh, she understood that there are some kids who come with special needs, 
and uh, therefore she, she crafted laws to be able to address that. There are so many kids, probably these days, a, a, a huge percentage of public school kids were affected by these programs that Patsy Mink w w was innovative in, in trying to support in the 1960s. Um, and so therefore, yeah, I, I would say that it was fantastic that we had Patsy Mink to, to be someone who could see into the future and, and be able to understand the importance of these kind of programs as they would grow in importance after they were passed. And this benefits every school in America. It's not just Hawaii, but nationwide, yeah. which is um, in 1972, Patsy authored and passed Title IX, and she got President Nixon to sign her bill into law. As a teacher, what do you think about Title IX? Well, Title IX is so incredibly important. Um, I, I, I've been at so many, well, let, let, let's talk about my, my experience as a high school student, first of all. Uh, when, when I graduated from high school in 1980 in North Dakota, they were just beginning women's sports. And when I was in elementary school, of course, there was no such thing as any women's sports team at all in, in my town. And with Title IX, that all radically changed. But Title IX has gone beyond just providing sports, basketball for girls, basketball for boys, volleyball for girls, volleyball for guys. It's gone beyond that to other things like facilities. Um, and in some cases, it, it's, it, it's unfortunate that Patsy's author Title IX, but its enforcement has been less than it should have been. When I was at Campbell High, there was in fact in a, a locker room for boys and girls. But as the school grew, that changed. They took out the locker room for girls and only, only had that locker room for boys. Oh, wow. And, and, that, and it was a Title IX lawsuit that kind of spurred the Department of Education to be able to provide a, a locker room for girls. Title IX has gone beyond just even the, what you'd expect to think of with regard to, to sports and education. And I, I knew Donna Thompson. Donna was a strong supporter. Donna was a very innovative at the University of Hawaii in providing for women's sports. But beyond sports, the classroom as well had to be equal. And, 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 and in the Obama administration, it went beyond traditional classroom to things like, to things like sexual harassment. Uh, if girls are going to be, have an equal opportunity to, to learn at the school, they have to be free of sexual harassment. And under the Obama administration, that became part of Title IX. And I think that's probably beyond perhaps what Patsy Mink was immediately thinking when she wrote Title IX, but certainly not in the spirit of what she was writing. I think she knew that she was trying to provide full equality for girls and that she, having been denied the right to go to medical school because she was a girl, wanted to make sure no other girl ever ended up in a situation where she was denied something just because of her gender. Wow. Before Patsy moved back home, um, after her first phase, her first um, era in Congress, she was president of the Americans for Democratic Action in Washington, D.C. from like 1980 to 82. What is ADA for those that don't know? Americans for Democratic Action was started by a number of supporters of the New Deal, including Eleanor Roosevelt, John Kenneth Galbraith, uh, Hubert Humphrey in 1947 to be able to protect the New Deal and, and its programs. It has been the pre preeminent liberal organization, uh, multi-issue liberal organization in Washington, DC, particularly in the 1960s and 70s, um, is still an important, I think, liberal organization in Washington, DC today. It, uh, one of the things that it does that a lot of politicians, uh, pol I'm sorry, political scientists pay attention to is the ADA rating. ADA rates the members of Congress based on how liberal they are. And that rating was, was important. It was important for me as a grad student at UC Berkeley in the 1980s. And it was one of the ways that I got more familiar with Patsy Mink 
was using the ADA ratings and, and looking up ADA and what they were standing for and how they did that. Patsy is incredibly important. Of course, she is the first woman of, of, of color to be elected to the United States House of Representatives, and that in and of itself is quite important. But then for her to go to that and become president of this liberal organization, she had pushed so strongly such a broad liberal agenda. I mean, she's probably known most for Title IX. She's also known among some for her opposition to the Vietnam War. She's known for some for her, her, her role in education. But she, she was so much more than that. You know, she served in a, an environmental capacity in the State Department under Jimmy Carter. She cared about environmental issues, as well as civil rights issues, as well as social justice issues, as well as tax equity issues. On every one of the major liberal agenda issues, Patsy was there. And that's why she made a fantastic president of Americans for Democratic Action. Uh, that's probably why she was considered as a possible candidate for president in 1972. Uh, and why she, I think, was a very important person to step back into Congress when she came back after the 1990 election. Did Patsy start the ADA chapter in Hawaii, or did you do that? Oh, no, no, Patsy did. Um, Patsy, Patsy started it, and she was a longtime president of it. Um, when she went up back to Congress, I think she handed it over to probably George Simpson, uh, and it eventually ends up in my hands for the last approximately eight or nine years. Wow. What? do you tell your students about Patsy Mink? Um, you know, one of the things that I tell Pat, students about Patsy Mink is, is a little story that um, doesn't necessarily relate to anything I've spoken about so far. We, we were dealing with, with a certain issue in the gubernatorial race of 1986. And particularly one of the issues at that point was, was um, drug paraphernalia. And it took a while to convince Patsy Mink, by the way, that, that she should oppose the drug paraphernalia bill because it was too broadly written and wouldn't allow them to incarcerate people who really weren't using drugs. They were just somebody that the police might want to pick on. And I, and I was pleased to see that she had taken the position that I'd written in the paper. And then um, I said, but Patsy, this is not going to be popular. Are you sure you want to do this? Patsy's response to me is, John, the purpose of a politician is to lead. My job is to take the right position and, and get the people to follow me, not to, to follow the people and where they go, no matter what their, what their position is. Take the position that's just and follow. And I think that's really important for my students to understand that a good leader is somebody who, who takes the position that is right, that is just, that is in their conscience, and then gets tries to get the people to follow them. And I think that's important about Patsy Mink. So that's one thing I, I tell students about Patsy Mink. Um, the other is that she was a visionary. You know, she really saw far ahead. She had guts, extreme guts. Um, she told me sometimes, uh, one time about the, the, the time she confronted Lyndon Johnson on the Vietnam War. Um, I remember at her funeral, one of, the, one of the speakers at the funeral talked about the fact that she would take her finger and poke, poke them in the belly to try and get, them, get their attention on a particular issue to emphasize her point. And that, you know, what was she, 5'4", something like that? The small little woman had quite ability to get attention and to, and to move things. And, and I think that's also important for students to understand is that you don't have to be large in stature to make a big impact on the world. And Patsy, as a little woman, uh, as a minority from a small little island in Hawaii, certainly did. How do you want people, how do you try to inspire the, the, the next generation with using Patsy as an example? How would you inspire them? Well, I said, take a look at her. All the odds were stacked against her. They wouldn't let her into, into med school. She was denied so many things in her life. She was discriminated against in a bunch of law firms, which is one of the reasons she went into politics. She had a hard time getting a good law job. She, she took every time that she was denied something and turned it into a plus and to be able to advance herself and more importantly, to advance justice for, for her community and for the world. And that I think is, is, is the way she, to, 
to, to follow her, her example. Is there anything else you want to add? I think that's pretty much it. I hope, hope you get a sense that, that Patsy was feisty, but Patsy had a clear vision of justice, and Patsy had the courage of her convictions. And that's what you, that's what she mentored you to do, to be. She inspired me to do, and, and, and I certainly do a lot of work for Americans for Democratic Action because I was inspired by Patsy and her, her willingness to get out there and, and to, to, to do that. Um, at her funeral, I remember standing next to Chuck Hoxall, a good friend of mine, and, and Chuck at that point told me, you know what, we're going to miss Patsy, but it's, it's our job to do the work now. You must do it. I must do it. We must do it. We must carry on. We cannot allow what she has done to go in vain. And so therefore I do. And that's that's inspires me every day. Wow. Thank you. Well, hello, John Bickle. For more information about the education laws Patsy Mink helped pass, please check our website, PatsyMinkUntoldStory.com. Thank you. I'm Gloria Boyland. Mahalo. They say that in Maui, they'll call me.